are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Yeah, notice that uh, it's not that we have hope because things are getting better. We have hope because of who Christ is for us, who Christ was and continues to be in our lives, the example and the coming alongside us in our agony. Before I read the scripture for this, this morning, I'd like to have us all pray together. Let us pray. Oh God, when your spirit is present, your word is life. Your word surprises us. Your word changes us. May it be so today as we hear your word, as it takes root in our hearts and draws us more deeply into your life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Oh, it's on, okay. Oh, maybe it needs to be turned up. The scripture this morning is Matthew 13, verses 31 through 33. Oh, that's much better. And in the bulletin, it actually lists the whole chapter, which I'm not going to read, but it's interesting that he, Jesus talks about several, he, he explains several kind of seed parables, starting with the, the parable of the sower that we all know and that we sang about in the opening hymn. But he kind of riffs on the idea of the seed. And this is his final riff on that idea. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Eric and I thank you so much for inviting us to share in worship with you this morning. We will be traveling most of the summer visiting seven, seven different Sunday worship services and a total of 15 congregations in nine presbyteries. It's a blessing to be able to see God's people gathered in so many unique places and uh, connect with so many wonderful people. Last October, I had the privilege of traveling along with the Covenant Group 
that came to Guatemala. How many of you are here this morning? Raise your hand for other people to see. So all of those people around you have been to Guatemala. It's really, really good to see you all. I also bring warm greetings from Sedepka in Guatemala, a longtime partner of the PCUSA. Sedepka, I will say it again, is the Protestant Center for Pastoral Studies in Central America. Their staff is made up of about 20 men and women, and they've been working for justice and social change through theological education for almost 40 years. I work at Sedepka as the facilitator, one of the facilitators for intercultural encounters. These are groups like the group from Covenant that come to Guatemala to learn about history and culture, about the political and social and economic realities, to discover hope through the people in Guatemala. My colleagues at Sedepka were so excited that I was traveling to be here with you this morning. In fact, Nancy Carrera, one of my close colleagues in intercultural encounters, texted me this morning and said, I know you're going to be at Covenant. I'm so excited for you. Know that we're thinking of you and we're thinking of them. As I thought about what text to preach on today that might relate to what I've seen God doing in Guatemala, I was drawn to this pair of short parables. A man planted a mustard seed in his field, and those seed, the seeds grew into large, shade-giving shrubs. A woman worked a little bit of yeast into a large quantity of flour. Three measures of flour equals about 50 pounds. And the whole batch rose. Whenever I stumble across these two parables, my mind goes to two things. I kind of have these knee-jerk reactions of the interpretation that I think of. The first is growth. This rapid growth of the gospel, this expansion, this ripple effect that started with Jesus Christ and continues to move outward. The second thing I think of is small things and the power of doing small actions that make a huge difference. Planting a tree, driving an electric car, reading to a child on your lap. There is power in small things, and it's true that the gospel spreads, that seeds are planted and people respond. But, as I look closer at these two parables, I keep thinking that there's more going on than meets the eye. Jesus used parables to get people to think differently about life, to question their reality. Parables gave people alternate perspectives to chew on. And when they went back into their everyday routines, they kept thinking about these concepts, these stories that Jesus tossed out. And these two parables are no different. There's something about them that draws us to think about the gospel in a different way. And here's what I mean. Both the mustard seed and yeast carried negative connotations for first century people. 
Mustard seeds would not have been seeds that a farmer would have planted in a field. How many of you have planted dandelion seeds in your yard? <laughs> Mustard seeds were like that. They covered hillsides in Palestine, and their little seeds would blow every which way, taking root and growing new plants amidst already established crops. They grew where they weren't supposed to be. They were like noxious weeds, farmers' arch nemeses, invasive plants to get rid of at any cost. Burn them, spray them, pull them out. So to hear that Jesus would say that the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer sowing a mustard seed in his field would have been odd. You don't plant mustard seeds. Yeast, likewise, was a negative image. It was a symbol of corruption. In speaking, people would refer to others as yeast like we might use the term bad apple. The Apostle Paul talked about yeast when he told the Corinthians to get rid of all forms of immorality among them, like they would get rid of yeast in a house, alluding to the Passover practice of clearing out the leaven before the meal. Even Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Meaning, there's this corruption that spreads through the work and the lives of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So, why would Jesus compare the kingdom of heaven to images like yeast and a mustard seed? Images that were so off-putting to people at the time. One of the projects Sadepka is in the middle of growing and developing right now is actually a pair of projects called Tamar and Jose. Tamar workshops were started for girls in Guatemalan communities where the number of births to mothers between the ages of 10 and 14 were shockingly high. These numbers made the women's ministry of Sedepka stand up and take notice. Because when 10, 11, 12-year-old girls are giving birth, it's a sign that something is terribly wrong in a community. That rape, even within families, is going on behind closed doors. That violence has been normalized. So Sedepka formed what's called the Tamar Project in 2016, named after the daughter of David who was raped by her own half-brother. The Tamar Project teaches young girls their rights. It teaches them to identify violence because some of them don't even know that it's happening to them. It teaches them that they are created in God's image, that they're worthy of respect, that they have more God-given gifts than sweeping and washing dishes and making tortillas and raising babies. Then in 2020, the Jose Project was formed because this is a system we're talking about, right? It's not good just to teach the girls. The boys need to be trained too. 
in the same kind of information with the same type of curriculum. But going beyond that, teaching the boys that the Bible does not say they are superior to girls, that they have authority over girls. The Bible says that being a real man means showing love and respect and tenderness. It means being vulnerable and nonviolent. You can bet that certain people, certain groups, see these workshops as off-putting, as threatening the status quo. If women rise up and get educated, who will take care of the home? Who will serve the men? If men let down their facade of toughness, who will be the protectors? What if men lose respect and credibility? And this is not to mention how uncomfortable it is to talk about violence within families and to talk about women's bodies. The dominant culture sees workshops like Tamar and Jose as mustard seeds planted in a field where they don't belong or as yeast working its sinister way through a whole batch of dough. Another project that Sedepka takes groups to regularly is the Utspan Bakery Apprentice Program in Guatemala City. There are six adolescents, a mix of boys and girls, who are learning the trade of baking and also being mentored in opening a business so that eventually they will be able to sustain themselves and their own families, perhaps even open businesses for themselves so that they do not have to migrate north. This project is housed at a Pentecostal church in the heart of one of the city's red zones. It's an area where gang violence and other forms of violence are prevalent. Now you would think that everyone would support a program like this. Family members, community members, politicians might even glom on to the idea. And for the most part, that is true. But the economic system in Guatemala threatens the program's success. One young baker, one baker who showed particular promise and leadership, his name's Anthony, had to drop out early from this apprentice program because his father migrated north. And Anthony needed to step up and work more hours to support his mother and his siblings. Where the gospel is lived out, there's going to be resistance. Established systems and powers that be are threatened by the inbreaking of justice and abundant life for all. What if that reality 
is what these parables are trying to describe. Jesus himself experienced that truth in his own body. He came to usher in the reign of God, the kingdom of heaven, transforming not just lives, but systems, so that all people may experience deep, abundant life. Jesus boldly brought change despite the pushback of religious and civil authorities. When Jesus dared to heal those deemed unworthy, when Jesus encouraged and empowered women, when Jesus lifted up children as models of faith, he planted mustard seeds in established fields worked little cakes of yeast through massive amounts of flour. But the system itself resisted Jesus. As John wrote, he came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Where the gospel is lived out, there will be resistance. But the gospel will continue to spread. It will have an effect because it's God's work. You could say these parables are about Jesus himself, the mustard seed. Jesus himself, the yeast. Ultimately, Jesus was condemned and killed by the system. Leaders thought they could put an end to change by putting an end to his life. But the reign of God had already begun and could not be stopped. Jesus may have been buried like a seed in the ground, like a bit of yeast hidden in flour, but that death was only the beginning. It was the beginning of a rising that would continue bringing life and healing and reconciliation through the body of Christ, the church. I love the image in the parable of the mustard seed of what the end result looks like. Birds making nests in the thin branches of the mustard shrub. Now, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel and Psalms, Israel was compared to a mighty cedar that would rise up and birds would make nests in its branches. But Jesus takes that image and subverts it. He says the church, sometimes seeming weak, will be like the mustard shrub. You know what kind of birds make their nests in the wispy mustard shrub? Vulnerable ones. And that is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Little marginalized people. People who have been set aside and called unworthy. Finding hope and finding refuge. I also love the image of what happens 
to the yeast, working its way through 50 pounds of flour. 50 pounds is a huge batch. We're talking bread enough to feed a hungry hillside of people who have nowhere else to get bread. When the kingdom of heaven is afoot, vulnerable people find shelter. Hungry people are fed. We are all celebrating abundant life together. Systems still oppress and threaten to undo us. But we are called and equipped by the spirit of the living God to be bold, to continue to stand up to those systems. We are called to plant mustard seeds in places where institutions have decided that only certain crops are allowed to flourish. Certain crops that will benefit only a few people. We're called to work a little bit of yeast through pounds and pounds of flour, intimidating amounts of flour. We're called to keep speaking truth into systems we cannot imagine changing. And then watch as lives are changed one by one. These parables, the mustard seed and the yeast, are about so much more than church growth as we traditionally think about it. Growth in the economy of salvation is the expansion of abundant life for all, despite constant obstacles. It's about Guatemalan girls learning their inherent worth and asking to go to school beyond sixth grade. It's about young people who live in a red zone, learning to run a business. It's about communities here in the United States coming together to find housing solutions, health care solutions, immigration solutions that benefit the most vulnerable. This is God's work. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. You are what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so may we be bold together. May we expect pushback to the gospel and not be discouraged by it. May we work for change, believing that it's possible even within our lifetime because it's Jesus Christ going before us. Amen.